Welcome to the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. The head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook is Patrick Morrow. For those of our U.S. listeners, happy Thanksgiving. This is a weird one. This is a weird Thanksgiving. Don't have a gathering. Cook for yourself. Don't do anything. Don't spread COVID. But have a great Thanksgiving anyway. How two are the same. So, Patrick, you had Canadian Thanksgiving. How'd that go? Uh, you know what? Uh, it was kind of what uh, I guess you guys are expecting down there. It was quiet. It was a low-key affair. We just did uh, the wife and I. But uh, it may surprise you, actually, that I much more enthusiastically celebrate U.S. Thanksgiving than I do Canadian Thanksgiving. And this goes back to my days in university where it was a great opportunity to skip because, oh, my gosh, football, 1230, 430, 820 on a Thursday – why would I waste time in class? So we actually started the very first year, my then girlfriend, then fiance, then wife, with cranberry soda and a turkey breast because we were <laughs> idiots in school, not really knowing what we were doing in the kitchen. Yeah. And uh, now we, uh, well, this year will be a step down. It'll just be the wife and I. But now in the past, we've done the full turkey. We've done the mac and cheese. We've done the green beans <laughs> and everything. We invite people over and we celebrate American Thanksgiving with uh, a lot of other people from Bavada in the Moro household. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty great day for us. So, you know, we're still going to do the turkey breast this year. We're going to do a turkey breast instead of a full turkey because it's just the two of us. We'll still do the mac and cheese, a couple other sides, a really good butternut squash salad. And hopefully we have three football games uh, currently scheduled. But uh, yeah, you know, we're looking forward to it. We're going to make the best of it uh, the best we can. It looks like the NFL is going to try and make the best of it as well as it looks like as of this recording, they are still going to play ahead with the Ravens and Steelers. Yeah, we can start there. The Ravens and the Steelers is the nightcap. Of course, uh, Dallas and Detroit traditionally host the Thanksgiving Day games. We'll get to those in a second. Uh, Baltimore comes in. They close their facility. Uh, they had all kinds of cases. They've been doing virtual practice. Uh, it's a short week anyway. Uh, it's the Steelers. It's a team they know, and it's an undefeated Steelers team. Uh Right now, the line is still on, and the Ravens, you know, this is a tough one. This is a tough spot in normal times, but they only have one healthy running back that's had any carries. Yeah, with uh, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram uh, both testing positive for COVID, we saw the line move from two and a half all the way up to four and a half at Bovada. And, and you're right. I mean, these short week games, uh, coaches hate them under ideal circumstances. Uh, this is this is insane. This kind of turnaround. The Ravens will have absolutely no prep uh, for this game, or well, I mean, not a lot of meaningful prep, I should say, uh, for such a quick turnaround. Uh, I get it. It's Thanksgiving. As fans, we want to see this game, uh, but man, the Ravens are going to be in tough, and I think our betters uh, certainly uh, feel that way as well. As eighty percent of the money so far at Pavada are on the Steelers in the th Thanksgiving nightcap. You can't argue with that one. And again, at this point. The game is still on uh, Dallas and Washington. And the, I'll say two things that don't make any sense together. Number one, this is a battle for first place in the NFC East. Number two, both teams come in at three and seven and Washington hasn't won on the road. It's uh, you know what? I, I I'm enjoying this out of the NFC East. I would like to see more ties. Uh, I, I don't know what's the minimum amount of wins that could get someone over the threshold. I would love to see a five or six win division winner just for absolute <laughs> chaos. I think that one year when uh, Seattle snuck in at seven and nine and got to host uh, the Rams that year, I think I was probably annoyed then, but 2020 has been such a year of making things up as we go, adding more teams to the playoffs, 
changing the standards for COVID testing. So you know what? Why not do we? Why not just have a five or six win team take the NFC East to the playoffs? And then who knows? Maybe they'll run hot. So I, I mean, I will say that uh, Frosty Bavada it helps that uh, even if it is two teams with three wins, that is a first place game. It is meaningful. It doesn't. These two teams don't care about their records. This is a battle for first place in a pretty hapless division. And currently. The way it looks, Cowboys three-point favorites, 75% of the money at Bavada is on Dallas. And you know what? Hey, that game is meaningful. Let's hope for a big game. It's going to have a massive television rating. And Alex Smith is such a great story, just watching him do anything. And it was just so weird that he was on the field when Joe Burrow got hurt last week. Yeah, that was, oh, man. I mean, so weird to watch Alex Smith watching this. It's such a big injury for Burrow. I have no doubt that he'll recover. But don't forget, Alex Smith had 18 surgeries to get back on the field. Yeah, and, and the last one, of course, being the most daunting one that forced him to miss. Uh, what, he missed at least a year, right? Or was it longer than that? But it, it's just, it's insane to see that kind of, uh, you know, that parallel uh, take place in front of us, especially to such a young kid who he was so good at LSU. You know, he's had some flashes of brilliance this year. I still think he's got a great career in front of him, but you know, you, you really hope that this isn't the start of something that slows him down. I mean, Joe Burrow, in, insane in college, uh, flashes of brilliance so far this season, you know, expected to make a full recovery. You do hope that he doesn't have that Robert Griffin uh, corollary, though, where, you know, this is the first of many setbacks for a player that just absolutely lit it up. And the game that precedes it is the Houston Texans and the Detroit Lions, three and seven against four and six. Houston's a road favorite. Uh, size up this one. And is this going to get, I, I remember Thanksgiving, you know, it, when I was growing up, the first football game meant the start of Thanksgiving. It was such a big deal. Is this going to hold my attention? You know what? The, the spread is low enough. Uh, Texans are only minus three at Bavada right now. And uh, so I, I don't know if it'll be a particularly exciting game. I think the Lions uh, have already started that mid-season transition where at the beginning of a, a lot of recent seasons, they've seen, uh, you know, are the Lions for real this year? And at four and six, uh, just coming off a shutout to the Panthers. I don't know that there's a lot of hope in Detroit, but hey, you know, the Texans are not very good either. I know they just came off uh, an impressive win over the Patriots. Romeo Cornell uh, beating Bill Belichick is something that really seems like only could happen in the year of 2020. But, uh, you know, if nothing else, uh, you know, the Lions aren't that great. The Texans aren't that great. Should be a close one. But, uh, you know, I, I think the 1230 game is when I'll probably start working on sides and maybe not paying so much attention to the actual game itself. All right, surviving uh, Thursday and, of course, Black Friday. Don't even get me started. <laughs> the Chiefs and the Buccaneers on Sunday. It's a, a big one, a CBS game. Tom Brady coming off the Monday night loss against the 9-1, 5-0 road team, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, tough bounce back uh, for Tampa Bay uh, and Tom Brady. Uh, they, they do get to host this game again, but, boy, did Tom Brady show his age on Monday Night Football with five interceptions. I thought they just traded away the guy that was throwing a lot of TDs, but just as many interceptions. But I digress. The Bucks are currently three and a half point home underdogs to the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who've gotten much more consistency from Mahomes. He did have an interception as well on Sunday Night Football, but otherwise that final drive was just, it seemed like a foregone conclusion. Um, if the Raiders aren't scoring with 
you know, one second left on the clock. It seems like any time, you know, Mahomes, I used to think Rodgers was the best at it. And in a way, he's still quite good. But the way Mahomes brought them down the field was just absolutely terrifying. Uh, as it currently stands, about 60% of the money are on the Chiefs at Bovada. The Bears and the Packers, a classic NFC Central matchup. Chicago Bears coming in, looking to get back on uh, on 500. The Packers are trying to prove a point that they are the class of the conference. What say you about Bears-Packers? Bears-Packers. Packers have been pretty interesting this year. A lot of, you know, are they good? Are they for real? You know, a, a tough loss against uh, the Colts in overtime last week. Uh crazy end to that game where the Colts had six holding penalties that stopped the clock. You usually don't see the offense get in their own way like that and give the Packers that opportunity to send it to overtime where they ultimately fell short with a quick uh, fumble on the opening series. Uh, Packers for the most part though, have been the best team in the NFC North, uh, not just by record, by points differential. They do look uh, more consistently. This would be a good, not just a statement win, but also a good separation win for them as the bears at five and five are a bit on their heels. There, Packers winning in this spot would put them up three with uh, just uh, about five games left in the season. So they would be in really good shape. This, this is the game to really secure the NFC North, if you're the Green Bay Packers here. They are currently eight and a half point favorites at Bovada and betting split about 50-50 so far. And that's the uh, Sunday night game, by the way. Uh, the Monday night game, the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they're going to want to keep pace with whoever wins the Thanksgiving game between Dallas and Washington, hosting a great Seattle team, uh, comes in to Lincoln Financial Field. Do the Eagles get exposed there? Seahawks are a big favorite on the road, but this is the difference between being in the playoff contention in a bad division versus being a playoff contender in a good division. Yeah, two teams that desperately need a win here. The Seahawks have, uh, you know, had a little bit of struggles at late, especially with Bills and Rams. Uh, Seahawks defense not looking very good. Uh, this might be a great opportunity for Carson Wentz to, you know, maybe throw through some of those yips he's had recently. A lot of difficult throws that he shouldn't be making, a lot of turnovers that, uh, you know, they can beat the Browns if he's not throwing pick sixes and throwing into coverage and trying to, you know, he's got this almost Brett Favre streak in him to try and make the pass that he shouldn't be. And uh, for the success rate or lack thereof so far, you should maybe uh, try and hone in that uh, gunslinger uh, attitude that he's got so far. Looking at this game, as you noted, uh, the Seahawks are favorites. They are five and a half point favorites at Bovada. And the Seahawks are also the most bet team this week at Bovada so far. So, uh, hate to say it, but we will be rooting heavily for Carson Wentz, which this year has not been uh, pretty good for us, but uh, you know, something we'll have to suck it up and take anyways, you know, and uh, it should be an interesting week. This is week 12 in the NFL. All right, let's go from the gridiron to the hardwood and let's talk a little bit about the NBA free agency is in full swing. You've got the next season coming up. You, the, the bubble just happened. Let's welcome in the senior writer from heavy.com. He is Scoop B. Brandon Robinson is with us here on the show. Brandon, welcome. Thanks for doing this. Brother, Seth, thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to talk to you. Um, we are a couple of months away from the bubble. What did you think of the bubble? Did you like bubble life? I thought that was a great Twitter account, the bubble life. That was hysterical. Um, and I loved, you know, some of the some of the jokes that came from it. But, you know, I heard players saying it really it was a grind af after a while. What would you make of the bubble? 
Well, I'll be honest with you. When it was first uh, proposed and you know it was laid out, I, I was skeptical about it, um, mainly because just we we don't know what we don't know. And so, COVID hit, and uh, we were trying to figure out life uh, without sports, and then transitioning back with it. It was like, okay, so now what? So, um, you know, no cases reported. Um, I will tell you that that was amazing. Um, that was amazing. It was. It was amazing. Um, and, and players that I have spoken to uh, or had spoken to have and had spoken to uh, who partook in the, who were in the bubble, um, it was mixed, a mixed bag, you know, from a perspective of not being sick, cool, mental health, um, and just being away from your family, not cool, you know. So um, if, if you look at the bubble as a success because you crowned the Lakers a champion, okay, um, great. Um, you know, if the, the bubble didn't exist, the NBA would have lost $2 billion. Um, but ultimately, I do think um, that, in my opinion, um, the NBA is talking about doing a 2020-2021 season. I personally think there should be multiple bubbles and they should do it again. So my skepticism has turned into optimism um, in that regard. But um, that's a whole other story uh, for, I guess, later in this interview. But I, I do think that the bubble um, did give fans a product to watch while we're in the house. But as it relates to players, you know, it was a mixed bag of, you know, what they liked. Well, we can go there. And, you know, from a business standpoint, Patrick, feel free to weigh in. The, I, the number one, the fact that during the course of the playoffs, some of those games aired in China to offset some of the financial losses from the Daryl Morey situation, you know, opens up, you know, they were, they were dealing from behind in the first place. Um, I thought the, the bubble was a necessity and they would have sacrificed this entire season to finish that one because they needed to, to finish what they had started in this circumstance though. I wonder whether or not these buildings or these teams can sustain this without people in the buildings. And, you know, you said the, the, the bubble and I, 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 what I've heard is the only way the NBA really makes fiscal sense is if people are in their home arenas and there's some semblance of crowds in the stands and Christmas day is a big TV day, but I just don't see, you know, and we can get into COVID all, all you like, whatever vaccine is coming, it's not going to be there by Christmas day. And I don't think the NBA is going to be safe by then. What's your thought on all that? Yeah, I think um, you, you, you're mixing me being an expert as well as me, as well as science and technology. But what I, and, and I'll say that <laughs> I, did, I did buy stock in Moderna and Pfizer uh, early in the game because I knew that those two were going to likely be the, the, the folks. Smart. See, he should be an odds maker, Pat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Where were you? But, I, were, man. but what I'll say is um, I do think that when you talk about the fans in the stands and the future of that, I think the the NBA saving grace genuinely has been merchandising. Um, mm-hmm. Because, I, you know, you talk to season ticket holders. I, I've spoken to people in Oklahoma. I've spoken to people in New York um, and, and Orlando. And, and their, their thought process is, you know, the teams are still – reaching out to them about season tickets and it's like, okay, if there's no, if the fans aren't in the stands this year, then it'll roll over to next year. Um, I have my concerns about that just for the future. You know, when I, when I look at it, I think of, I think of it in the same vein as movie theaters, you know, like very similar. Yeah. In the last 10 months we've streamed. What will it be like to, as a, you know, unilaterally to go back, not, not just like certain pockets, certain States, because every state has their own rules, but to unilaterally go and, you know, Everybody can go back to the movies. 
I don't see this being the same thing, you know, as it was pre-COVID. You know, like stands, arenas will be different. And so when you look at the NBA's uh, policy or, or, or things that they're being tossed around and can being kicked about, you know, um, you know, the possibilities of, you know, 25% capacity or 50% capacity sitting in, you know, luxury suites and, and more, that's great for the interim. But, you know, I, I still have my concerns, you know, and, and it's more about just what every state d- does differently. So, for example, it's all right. It's all fractured. Yeah, because, look, you, you, you go to arenas, you play. Right. But then I'm trying to work on this right because everybody says it in an interview. I've caught that bug. Everybody goes right when they're proving a point. But when you go into an arena, that's great. But it's more along the lines of what you do when you're not at work. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. not going to stay in their hotel. Everybody's not going to follow social distancing rules. We, we've seen that not in sports where people are still going to parties. People aren't wearing masks. People aren't socially distancing. So now you're bringing work, NBA into it. And it's it's a cacophony of, 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 of voices, a cacophony of perspectives. And um, I'm a little nervous. Well, I would I would say from an odds making point of view, yeah, I think one thing the bubble gave us was consistency. Um, you know, at first we had to, you know, learn really quick how to treat each game as a neutral site game. Uh, that wasn't too difficult to do. We just kind of reversed a lot of our assumptions about home court advantage, and uh, and then we picked up some interesting things along the way. Uh, we saw shooting efficiency increase as players were now shooting on the exact same floor over and over and over with the exact same looks the same kind of uh, backgrounds around them. Uh, so we saw shooting uh, get that much stronger. And we, we weren't really worrying about uh, who was going to be ruled in, ruled out day in, day out. A problem mm-hmm. we have with the NFL and massively in college football right now. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, we talked about last week, this idea that you know, if you're getting that tweet that Trevor Lawrence is out with COVID, uh, that line moved seven points. Win expectation for Notre Dame uh, increased by 10% just on a tweet. Um, that's something we didn't have to worry about with the NBA. And we talked about the NHL uh, having success with that as well. And um, with player mobility, uh, with mobile sites, with uh, this game being played all over the United States, uh, my Tampa Bay Raptors will be uh, starting down there as well. Uh, we it, This is going to be just an, another challenge for us. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw in baseball early on. A lot of rescheduling of games, a lot of uh, mixed bag stuff, and a lot of, you know, opportunities for betters. You hate to speak about this from a, a morbid point of view when it comes to contracting a virus, but I mean, these leagues have all shown uh, so far, and I mean, uh, I think the NBA will be forced to make some tough decisions as they uh, weigh the pros and cons of revenue versus uh, player health. But uh, you know, some games will be played. They're maybe not the greatest testing standards to ensure that these games are continue to be played. We were talking about this earlier, this idea that it always seems kind of funny that all these NFL positives uh, are announced on a Monday, but they never seem to occur on a Sunday. Uh, and I think we're likely to see some of this. And I, I'm not saying this to cast any kind of moral judgment on this. I've long you know, stopped really concerning myself with that because it just doesn't solve anything. But it will create uncertainty just from a pure odds-making point of view. But I, I think it's fascinating to see how it will work. I hope that uh, you know, it's less fans to start and that uh, you know, we start trying to introduce that as the vaccines are approved, as we, some, as we start to get some semblance of normalcy back. But it is going to be a challenge. The bubble was great for us uh, as odds makers. It gave us the most amount of certainty in a year that hasn't had a lot of it. Sounds about right. 
All right, let's let's take a look at, at this year. You know, we, we had you on and, you know, everybody seems to have signed uh, one player that hasn't Anthony Davis. Uh, what's your thought on where he's going? And then Patrick, after uh, Brandon, give, well, why don't we do this? Patrick, what are the odds on Pat on Anthony Davis? And then Brandon, will tell us, you know, what we should put our money on. I mean, so we have Anthony Davis uh, as a pretty significant uh, favorite to remain with the Lakers. I think it's just a matter of uh, restructuring his contract. So we do have him at about a minus 500 favorite to return to the L.A. Lakers to begin uh, this, this upcoming season. Yeah, Anthony Davis uh, will likely return. There are some snags uh, as it relates to simply the length of contract. So I tweeted this, I believe it was like Sunday night, early Monday morning, um, that essentially – a, the the strength the, the the length of his contract he'll probably do something similar um, to what LeBron James did during his first stint with the with the Cavaliers after his rookie contract mm-hmm. uh, where he took a shorter deal like in that after rookie contract many people take five five year deals I think Carmelo Anthony took a five year deal as opposed to LeBron taking a four year deal and then LeBron had the flex flexibility to um, you know, take his talents to South Beach uh, in 2010 because I think oh, he. Had- I will never, I will never forget that night. That was such a weird night. I remember where I was that night, and the I guy did uh, nothing wrong and was ostracized for literally. They were burning his jersey. It was, it was disgusting. An effigy, as they said. They, they said. Oh but God! He basically had an early termination clause after the fourth year, I believe it was. So he did three years and then left. But um, Anthony Davis is going to have that flexibility. Um, and then one of the the, the the things that he was focusing on was the. Uh, the general makeup of the the uh, the roster uh, that the Lakers were building. You know, you added Marth Gasol over the weekend um, and some other pieces there the weekend before that. Uh, you add Dennis Schroeder. Uh, you, you add uh, some other pieces. Dwight Howard leaves. Um, you know, you trade over um, some other pieces to the Cats. So, you know, essentially it was more a matter of fit to the puzzle. And Anthony Davis has been paying attention to it. The other thing is, um, will Giannis under the couple of the Supermax or not? Um, I know right. guys like Giannis and Bam Adebayo are paying attention to what um, Giannis will ultimately do. Um, and so when that happens, then you will see a combination of what Anthony Davis will do and Bam, Bam Adebayo. But I, I think ultimately, you know, I, Anthony Davis will return. I think people who are paying attention to odds should be, you know, betting on the length of contract. There's been talk of one plus one. Um, there's been talk of two to three years rather than four or five or six or what have you. But, you know, the Lakers it could be favorites to, you know, return to the NBA finals. And um, I think ultimately it comes down to um, desire fit and more. And I think with a lot of guys, it's not about the money as you saw with James Harden, who turned down a $150 million extension uh, with the Houston Rockets. And I really do think guys like LeBron James, we, we talked about that kind of spearheaded that where it wasn't about championships. Excuse me. It wasn't about the money. It was about the championships. I mean, so I, I think in the same vein, that's going to happen, you know, here, um, if you guys remember LeBron James, gifted Anthony Davis a 23 jersey with his name on the back. 
um, for LeBron, it's about legacy and championships um, in that regard for him to give up his number. And so in the same vein, you look at Anthony Davis with length of contract, I think it's the same thing. The money will find its way to you. So fascinating fascinating to see what's happened in Houston uh, in just such a short amount of time I mean model front office great coaching great team uh, a couple of years ago that seemingly right there uh, just about to knock off Golden State couldn't quite figure it out and now we're looking at them as you know 28 to 1 in the offseason you know one of the also rands essentially they're not there with the Lakers Lakers we have them as 3 to 1 favorites uh, Nets just behind them at 5 to 1 Milwaukee Bucks at 6 to 1 currently right now at Bavada. Uh, a lot of pressure there in Milwaukee after, you know, I think you give teams a bit of a pass for what happened in the bubble. Uh, you know, some things were going to work, some things weren't, but I, I feel if Milwaukee, if they're not in the NBA finals this year, uh, that's, there's big changes that might be honest gone. That might be coaching staff gone. Uh, I don't think they get a second chance if they are not making serious progress. Uh, otherwise Clippers right there at six to one, those are our top, uh, four competitors as we currently have the price everyone outside that Celtics heat golden state you're talking 15 20 to one or higher so those are the top four that we currently see duking it out for the NBA championship this upcoming season Brandon what do you make of uh you you know we talked about Russell Westbrook and there was the big rumor last week about uh Westbrook for John Wall um Wizards fans were up in arms I think more people wanted him dealt than didn't want him dealt but you know that's that that depends on I guess who you follow on social media um the Wizards came out and debunked that what do you think do you think Westbrook gets traded where do you think he gets traded to and what do you make of John Wall do you think he just comes back with the Wizards you know one of the things that I was kind of disappointed in was the fact that you know DeMarcus Cousins actually did not uh, reunite with John Wall in Washington with the Wizards Uh, but then my thought process process was well what happens if the Wizards changed their mind and uh, Russell Westbrook is traded for John Wall and, you know, they reunite in in, in Houston uh, with the Rockets. What I can tell you is, um, number one, Russell does not want to play for owner Tillman Fertitta um, in Houston. Um, I reported that a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's been in what I can say is, I know TMZ, or rather Rick Buecher put out a report that was aggregated by TMZ where uh, discussed that, you know, Tillman Fertitta's uh, alignment with the Republican Party uh, was the reason why James Harden won out, um, wanted out. But as it relates to Russell Westbrook, I know that, you know, the the, the Hornets uh, was, was a team that had some interest pre-draft. Um, but essentially, um, you know, with the, with the drafting of LaMelo Ball, things do change some. Um, what I can tell you is um, the Knicks uh, had some light interest. The Knicks didn't, you know, they cleared some 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 holes and um, sh- shredded some some cap space to, to to accommodate who they want. They have tons of cap space because they didn't sign Kevin Durant or, or, or Russell Westbrook uh, last offseason. But well, excuse me, Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving last offseason. But um, not to take you all around the Mulberry bush, I do think that the Knicks do have slight interest. I do know um, that the Rockets could end up, you know, keeping Russell Westbrook. Um, but I do think that um, they do hold the cards in a lot of respects. Um, I do think that a team that has been quietly talked about and is the Los Angeles Clippers um, and, and potentially adding him. 
He is a native of Los Angeles. Um, you know, he does have a relationship with some of those guys on that team. The Paul George dis- discussion was a thing. The only difference was what I was hearing uh, in Houston was that Rod, uh, Robert Covington would have been involved in that deal. So if the Rockets do deal Russell Westbrook to Los Angeles, there would definitely be a revisiting of, you know, assets in that trade. Um, I know Paul George was discussed on the Rocket, or excuse me, on the Lakers. Or, ugh, I'm tired. On the Clippers side um, <laughs> of, of the deal. So um, we'll see what happens with that. But Clippers and Knicks um, have slight interest. I will tell you that. You mentioned something interesting. Why would someone not want to play for the Houston owner, but they'll play for James Dolan? I think that's a great question um, because they basically, from what I know, um, both support uh, current U.S. President Donald Trump. And and it's not even that. I mean, I thought Dolan, after he, you know, he was he was great friends with Harvey Weinstein. And then Maggie Gray, who's a friend of mine, ripped him to shreds for the stupid song that Dolan wrote. And then. Uh, he, they they banned WFAN from covering Nick games. It's 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 disgusting over there. I don't care if people are Nick fans growing up, and it, it has no impact on that. I like Pat Riley and Patrick Ewing and those guys too. But what's gone on in New York is doubly as offensive. I don't, regardless of his political leanings. Yeah, I, I think that when you talk about that, I think maybe the difference between in the see, I think the Knicks have other issues. The Knicks just have issues with players don't want to go to New York as a destination via free agency. And I can tell you, for example, you know, Kyrie Irving had no intentions of joining the Knicks in free agency last summer, and it had more to do, from what I understand, of the reasons that you know that go with Carmelo Anthony and his dealings uh, with. Uh, the Knicks and how he ultimately left. You know, Carmelo Anthony is an OG to a lot of these young guys, KD, Kyrie, and others. And so, you know, Kyrie also being from the area, West Orange, New Jersey, his his godfather, Rod Strickland, playing for uh, the Knicks. Uh, so he knows how to how the clock tick-tocks as it relates to just um, uh, how it goes. And I think him growing up a Nets fan um, – and the Nets not having a culture yet. Um, they've kind of been orphans for years. They started on Long Island. They moved to Piscataway. They moved to East Rutherford, Newark, and now Brooklyn. So it's kind of in the same vein of how LeBron James, you know, being from Cleveland, there's a pressure of playing for the Bulls because Chicago was the Midwest's New York. You know, so I think when you look at the Knicks as a whole, they're not considered cool anymore. They're New York City's team because they have they're they're, they're you know in their Manhattan, but um, I do think that those ties are slowly changing as to who has the dominant roster and more. The Knicks are trying to you know re- resurface that, but to go directly to your question about Dolan, I think that you know Dolan quietly does is doing what Tillman Fertitta publicly is doing, you know even you know discussing politics in the Rockets' office and. There's a divide there. It's been reported as it relates to just um, how many people in that organization, you know, don't want to be bothered. There's a reason why, um, and it, and I think it exceeds exceeds beyond the politics. There's a reason why, um, you know, Mike D'Antoni wanted out of uh, Houston, and and some of it had to do with the fact that, you know, their best chance at winning. Uh, going to the finals was in 2017 or 2018 when they were Chris Paul game seven away from, you know, going to the NBA finals and, you know, Chris Paul sat out. And then you take the whole assistant coaching staff 
from D'Antoni. I mean, you had guys like Irv Rowland who who was who doubled as James Harden's trainer, and then you know going back to the Oklahoma City days, and then you know you you, you just do things over time. You know, the bubble was a, was a disaster for Houston. You know, Daniel House was a thing. There were some other things that went on in the bubble um, that 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 are being underreported. But you know, it just got to a point where. Um, guys got tired of the work environment um, and, and what was going on in Houston. And so um, I think the difference between Dolan and Fortuna in the minds of some players is likely the fact that um, they're in the house with Tilda Fortuna. They only know what's going on in the house of, of the Knicks by stories told. They don't exactly know. And it's still New York. There's a difference between Houston and New York City. Yeah, I'd also just be surprised uh, if it's not directly, if not through a holding company, surely at least half or a majority of NBA owners are giving money to Republicans or supporting in some way. Now, I, I get that there's a difference between being a vocal supporter and someone who's quietly signing a check, but I imagine it's uh, quite difficult to separate that. Uh, if you are a billionaire, it is very difficult to put all your money uh, on one side. <laughs> you know, hedging is usually a pretty good strategy in that scenario. But uh, yeah, I think you make a really great point about, uh, you know, there is other dysfunction. And I mean, you could be a casual NBA fan and know that a New York, the New York Knicks are seen as the most dysfunctional. Every time that there's a major free agency uh, opportunity, it seems like they have the worst presentation. It seems like they get ripped the most after the fact. Uh it's so, you know, I, I think it gives players good cover because you are not a very popular person if you are someone that is aligned with the current president, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I think there's a lot more at play there. Uh, James Dolan, that New York Knicks front office. Why would you want to go there? I think the Brooklyn point is a great point as well. You can cultivate and create an identity there, whereas the New York Knicks seem to really just be holding on to this idea of you know, what the New York market means, what being a New York Nick means, but there's not really a lot of substance to that. Yeah, and I think um, there's a difference in my mind um, between voting for your best interests financially versus voting for someone because you like them or policy. Right. You're making the Republican point. I, 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 there are many Republicans I like that support their tax plan because they are very rich and they don't want the tax plan. They don't want to pay a lot in taxes. And I respect the heck out of that. That doesn't mean they're a racist. That doesn't mean they're a lunatic. That doesn't mean they're crazy. Um, I did not vote Republican to be honest with you. I didn't like either candidate, but I, but I, I have friends who are democratic. I have friends who are independent. I have friends who are Republican and kind of, I think as a journalist, I, I have a third eye and sometimes I carry it over into my personal life as it relates to just seeing things from multiple perspectives. And I think that pre-Trump, you had the luxury of separating the person versus the politics. I think, I think oh, in this course. one, the person and the politics kind of bleed. So I, I think however you decided what it was, that's your business. But I, 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 I tend, I, I tend to be personally been, tend to be fascinated um, by the ones who vote strictly by the politics and the financial. Yeah, I always default to imagine liking a politician. That just seems bizarre to me. Uh, let's get past that and get to the actual policies, if there are any of substance. But yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's a great point. Politics certainly got more personal in 2020. And, uh, sure. you know, that's kind of scary for the future to come, regardless of who's in power.
Uh, Scoop, how can people find you online? Follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, um, as well as Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. Make sure most importantly uh, that you subscribe to the Scoop B radio podcast. Believe it, baby. It's available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or iHeartRadio as well, or simply uh, by visiting ScoopBeatRadio.com. We've had anybody from uh, Charles Barkley to Shaq to the voice of Siri to Mark Cuban to DJ Khaled and more. Uh, Two million streams I think we had last year. Um, And and then also uh, through heavy.com, you can check out my writing. I'm a senior writer there. Um, You can check out my digital show, Heavy Live with Scoop B. We've had anybody from um, Jeff Van Gundy to gospel recording artist Kirk Franklin to Stefan Marbury to Jay Williams, you name it, we've had them. Got some surprises in the next month. So please be checking that out as well. Great stuff. Uh, Scoop, thanks so much for joining us. Gentlemen, thank you for the opportunity to be myself. Thanks, man. Our thanks to Scoop B. And of course, uh, our thanks to everybody for subscribing and listening. It's uh, Thanksgiving here in the U.S. And we are thankful for this podcast. For Patrick Morrow, I'm Seth Everett. This is the Bavada at Odds podcast. We will see you next week. 